Pittsburgh Steeler fans. This is behind the steel curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again on Thursday morning. It's September. It's September, and welcome to Steeler Stat Geek. This is crazy, man. I every week when I go to do this show, I talk about where we are and in relation to everything going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The fact that we are in September that means the preseason is over. My goodness, it seemed like it took forever to see the Steelers on the field. And now their three games are done. But if you think about it, it was within the span of 15 days. So the preseason for the Steelers only lasted 15 days. So, But it's over. And the Steelers went 3-0. and And they are ready to move on to the regular season. Now, wait a second. I want to rephrase that. I don't know if they're ready to move on to the regular season. Well, they're ready to move on, but they're not ready for the regular season. There. Now, I think I finally got it right there. I think I finally got it right. So so maybe we will see how it goes. This, they're still shaping their roster. I was shocked. I was shocked. I, I tell you, I was a little frustrated with the Steelers. Not, not the team. Um, meaning the players on the field or the coaches or anything of like that. I, I was I was kind of frustrated with the front office and the the others with the team because my goodness, I'm sitting next to my phone literally for hours, constantly refreshing, waiting for any second for the practice squad to be announced. Nope. It was, my goodness, it was like 5.30 Pittsburgh time by the time they got around to it. And when they did... Eight players, eight of the 16. Really don't know what's going on there. But, hey, in, in case you, you want to break down on that, uh, Jeff Hartman and I actually did the Breaking News podcast together, and that's available on our audio network, which you're obviously listening to now if you're getting this show. So uh, hopefully maybe you already caught that and know what Jeff and I had to say. There was one person we didn't mention in that list that uh, was surprised the Steelers didn't have on the practice club. We'll see if it happens. But uh, Buddy Johnson was not included with that. So, uh very interesting. We'll have to see how that all plays out with the other eight spots they have. If they're going to go to guys that were with the Steelers, guys that are uh, outside of the Steelers, that they bring in other players. I, I, To me, it doesn't really matter. I want them to do what they can to be the best team they can be in 2022. That's right. We are on the cusp of 2022. Before we do that, a couple of housekeeping things. One. Going sometime today, hopefully today, I'm really hoping it's today, that there will be an article at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. It is our yearly survivor pool where if you don't understand how survivor football works, you get the information. This is done through Yahoo, so all you need is a Yahoo ID. You can sign up for one one time. And these leagues, they only let us have 100 people in them, so we have multiple leagues. When, the, when one fills up, we start the next one. Then when that one fills up, we start the next one. And you're, you're only allowed to be in one of them. But the way it works is and you've got to win this for all of them, not just for your individual league, for overall with everything. You pick one NFL team to win their, to win their game week one. One team. One team to win their game. If that team wins, you move to week two. If that team does not win, meaning they either lose or tie, you're eliminated. Makes it seem easy. Like, oh, all those games, I just got to pick one? Yeah, it's a lot harder than what you think. You know what's going to knock out more people than anything? People forgetting to make their choice. That's why I've, we, we've really decided to focus our time to get signed up for this 
uh, this year because I don't want it to happen where people forget to make their choice. Honestly, the thing that you need to do if, you, if once you get in there, go in as soon as you sign up and just and pick for week one. You can always go back and change it, but it's better than having nothing. So information is going to be coming all that, and you're like, oh, okay, well that that sounds fun. But what's the point? The point is we have a prize. And to me, it's the best prize so far, but that's me. Every year, it's been a football signed by a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have had Marquise Pouncey. We have had David DeCastro. We have had Joe Hayden. This year, I like to go with the more veteran players. This year, it is, I announced it on the Scobro Show, we have a signed football by one Cameron Phillips Hayward. That's right. Cam Hayward, the defensive captain of the Steelers. Well, they haven't named their captain yet, but that should be uh, coming soon. But that's that's who we got. That's who we got, number 97. Um, so you have an opportunity. All you've got to do is keep picking the right games, one every week. But remember, once you use a team, can't use them again. You pick the Steelers to beat the Bengals in week one. You can't pick them to win again in week two against the Patriots. It just doesn't work that way. And if we get far enough, which we did last year, it took a while to get a winner. We were all the way towards the end of the season. When we get to, I think it's week 15, if, for people that are left, then you got to start picking two teams. Got to start picking two teams. And, and we even do it where you have a primary and a secondary because uh, there was one week where, all, where everyone who was remaining, I think it was only – Five might have been down to three by that point. They um they they got one out of two, so uh the the it continued on because of that. But we did eventually get down to one winner, um and I'm I'm really looking forward to this. It's always a lot of fun. So that's one announcement. Um, another thing on if if you listen to all our podcasts on the Scobro Show, I brought up um how on Tuesday I had a bit of personal news. Um, something that was uh, something I worked on for a long time and then put on the back burner for even longer uh, while I, while I got into uh, behind the steel curtain. And actually I, the whole reason I got started down the path, which put me at behind the steel curtain was basically trying to build a resume for where I had written a novel. It was, it was about 10 years ago in all honesty when I started working on it. But on Tuesday, that, novel went live to buy on Amazon, either as an ebook or a paperback. Um, it's called Ghost Warriors. It's it's by me, but it's written as David Schofield. I use my entire first name, not my nickname. Um, if you're interested in checking that out, I am not asking anybody to, to go in. I'm not trying to solicit anything, but we're kind of like a, 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 a close-knit family of my Nerds of Steel. It's kind of like Jess Ride or Die crew, which I know a lot of you are both. So in case you missed that on the, on the Scobro show, I wanted to at least bring it up here for my Nerds of Steel. No pressure. Just want to let you know it has absolutely nothing to do with the Steelers. Nothing. The book, it's a YA fiction fantasy adventure novel. Um, it is set in a contemporary setting, but it, there's a lot more to it than that. And the coolest thing about it is on the back cover under about the author, you will see the words behind the steel curtain and www.behindthesteelcurtain.com because that's part of who I am. So that's, that was uh, included in that. So I just thought um, I'm not going to talk about it much more, but I just thought since I announced that on, on Tuesday, that that's another thing I should bring up here. Wow. We're really into the show. So we are getting rolling. All we're doing here. It's very simple. 
Next week, we're going to be looking forward into the regular season and, you know, full steam ahead on to Cincinnati, that kind of thing. Now, because we have this extra week, I'm going to kind of wrap a bow around the preseason. Going to kind of go back. Let's look at the stats overall from the preseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we're going to look at a few things. And I actually had somebody send this to me last week. It's last week. It's ironic. They sent me something for Stat Geek. I was actually recording Stat Geek when I got the email about something else for Stat Geek. And I'm going to mention it here because it had some good information that we'll get to, which is actually showing how. You know the the differences to where what how does the preseason equate to the regular season? Just some especially with the offense, it's just some interesting numbers. But first, let's just dive into the Pittsburgh Steelers preseason. I'm going to start with the defense because we're well into the show because I I jibber jabbered for way too long about the especially about the um, the contest. But that's an exciting thing. I love it every year that it's and, and I like to try to give updates. Um, a lot of times people ask for it on the Scobro show and I'll give an update there of how many people are left because they don't, you know, an article does come out about it that explains it each week. So let, but let's dive into the, to the defense and the numbers. Let's first, let's look at, uh, let's see if we can get some overall um Overall numbers just for the defense. Uh, let, let's so it's their opponents' numbers. So this is what the defense did to their opponents. Um, they had in three games it was thirty-four drives. So the Steelers' defense they they were facing their their opposition eleven point three drives per game. The Steelers gave up a total of sixty first downs. That's an average, obviously, of 20 per game. They gave up 20 first downs on the run, 34 in the pass, and six by penalty. That's an average of two first downs given up by penalty each game. Interesting. Third down efficiency overall, the Steelers gave up. They, you know, d- Defensively, they were 19 of 48 on third down. That's 40%. That's... How do I say it? That's not terrible, but that's not outstanding either. Now, remember, this is all all three games and basically everybody down the depth chart that the Steelers had available um, at one point or another. When it came to fourth down, the Steelers gave up uh, two fourth downs out of five. That was also 40%. The Steelers gave up 1,021 yards in the three games. So that is an average of 340.3 yards per game. It was 207 total total plays that they were on defense. So that's 4.9 yards per play that the that the defense surrendered. If you think about it, less than 5 yards per play, that's that's not that, that's not awful. That's really not cuz we'll see it when we turn around and look at the offense. Okay, they surrendered 370 net rushing yards, 370 rushing yards in three games on 80 attempts. So that was a 4.63 yards per attempt average. That's not great. I have to admit that's not great, but it was better than what they did in the the regular season last year. Just saying. Um, For passing, they gave up 651 yards. They had eight sacks. For 53 yards. Um, so they actually gave up 704 yards passing, but the net was 651 because of the yards from the sacks. 
the completion percentage, they gave up 69 passes on 119 attempts. That's a 58% completion percentage. That's pretty good. I mean, honestly, that's pretty good defensively. You you, you have to admit that. And only 5.47 yards per pass. That's some pretty good pass defense. I mean, when you look at 5.47 versus 4.63 per rush, they gave up less than a yard more passing than they did rushing. I don't know if that's good about the passing or bad about the rushing. Maybe a little bit of both, probably. Um, The Steelers also had two interceptions. Um, the, uh, other than that, like punting it, I'm not looking into their, the defense of their punting or anything. Um, so they forced three turnovers. They had one turnover a game, um, throughout everything. Um, one was a fumble, two were interceptions. Um, the Steelers. So in all, in total, they gave up. I don't know if I had said that the, the total. Yes, I did. Then it was 1,021 yards. So, um, Let's see. Do, 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 do. How about um, they were one for two, giving up two point conversions. Um, they gave up. Um, wait a second. Yeah, they they gave up a safety, but that wasn't the Steelers. Their their opponents give. That's a, that's on the offense. So um, that's just some of the team numbers when it comes to defense. Let's look at a few individual numbers just to just to look and. and why not? Because this is this is kind of what, what you do at the end of the preseason. Who had the most tackles for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Now, I should say, now, where am I getting these statistics? These statistics are actually coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's it's from their, their, their statistics that are available to the media. So just thought I'd throw that out there. The, the, the player with the most tackles for the Steelers' defense with 14 was one Mark Robinson. Redmond Award winner by one vote, Mark Robinson. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, hopefully you already checked out Know Your Enemy from this week with uh, Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White where they made the announcement there. Uh, Absolutely crazy. He had 14 tackles, Mark Robinson. Eight were solo, six were assists. One sack for 10 yards, and that was a forced fumble. And that was a forced fumble. That was his stats. Because of course it's a quarterback hit because the sack was. Um, that was at the end of the first game, which really turned around his preseason, in all honesty. Because Mark Robinson was not looking too good that first game. Then his last play, well, other than the the play that they were pitching the ball around and throwing it forward more than once to try to score with three seconds left. I'm not counting that play, although Khalil Davis would like me to because he crushed. He crushed the guy there. Um, But after that strip sack is when Mark Robinson in the game really took off. He had two nice games after that. The number two tackler for the Steelers was actually DeMonte KZ with 13, followed by Robert Spillane and Buddy Johnson, each with 11. Trey Norwood had 10. Terrell Edmonds and Miles Jack had eight. Then you had players with seven were James Pierre, Derek Tuska, Kello Witherspoon. Players with six. There was a good number of these. Levi Wallace, Larry Ogunjobi, Henry Mondo, Devin Bush, Delonte Scott. And we'll finish it off with five. Five tackles for Justin Lane, DeMarvin Leal, um, Carlins Platel, and Arthur Mollette. So those were the tackles. That's on defense. That's on special teams. I'll get to those in a second. Then you had sacks. All right. When you look at the sacks, nobody for the Steelers 
had more than one sack in the preseason. So there was the, no, no repeat offenders here. But the players who had sacks for the Steelers um, this preseason were Carlos Davis, DeMarvin Leal, Delonte Scott, Hebelka Rashid, Henry Mondo, Mark Robinson, Micah Fitzpatrick, and one Trent Jordan Watt. That Those were your sacks. Then you look at your interceptions. Those were Justin Lane and Cam Sutton. Let's see tackles for loss. Who had the most tackles for loss? The most tackles for loss, there was only – there was four players who had more than one. They each had two. So you had T.J. Watts, Khalil Davis, Delonte Scott, and Arthur Millette all had two tackles for loss. So we'll mention them. Here's one that I always like. This is a, this is a stat that I, I like to put a lot into at times. That's passes defensed. And where I like to see these more than anything – is when it comes to the defensive line, because that means you're knocking balls down at the line of scrimmage. And actually, every the, there was three players that had two, and they were, which is interesting because I, I thought I thought Trey Norwood had two in his in the first in the first preseason game, but now they must have changed it to where he only had one. Um, maybe I'm not thinking right. But the players that had two were Isaiah Loudermilk, Derek Tuska, and Cam Hayward. Uh, I don't. I assume Tuska's worth the line of scrimmage. I don't specifically remember them right now. Let's look at quarterback hits. So maybe you didn't get the sacks, but maybe you hit the quarterback. Uh, only two players had more than one. Carlos Davis had two. And then the other player who had four was third-round draft pick to Marvin Leal. That's encouraging. Four quarterback hits for for Leal. Um, the Steelers had had some forced fumbles, but they didn't recover them all. Uh, Mark Robinson had one that was recovered. Minka Fitzpatrick had another forced fumble that was not. Uh, there were a number of, of fumble recoveries, but some of them, uh, let's just say this, three of them were offensive players because it was the Steelers recovered them on offense <laughs> when they fumbled the ball. For example, Mason Rudolph, Mateo Durant, and Miles Boykin, all three had – had a had a fumble recovery. Boykins was where he he recovered Jalen Warren's fumble in the first game. Mateo Durant had bounced right back up into into his hand when it was a bad handoff. And Mason Rudolph was his first play where he came in and it was the strip sack that he almost picked up and still threw. Tuzar Skipper had the fumble for the deep recovery for the defense on that play by Mark Robinson. So that's some of the defensive um statistics there very interesting how it all how it all went just kind of see where these players are let's real quick because it kind of goes along with defense let's look at some special teams because if you're talking tackles that's that's kind of that, that, that that's kind of interesting stuff because it's more defensive the the player with the most tackles on special teams was actually donovan steiner with three but then you had Miles Boykin, Connor Hayward, and Buddy Johnson all had two tackles on special teams. Um, then the other ones, you know, it was nice to see players like Mark Robinson get a tackle. Jalen Warren had a tackle. Um, Derek Tusk had a tackle. DeMonte KZ, Benny Snell. Even Anthony McFarland had a tackle on special teams, and he did land back on the Steelers practice squad. So that's some of those numbers. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to look at the offensive numbers, and then we're going to look at some things from historically around the NFL of how some things equate from the, from the preseason to the regular season. So stick around. We'll be right back. When my phone 
And we're back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Let's just dive in to kind of wrap up the rest of these numbers from the preseason. Whew, okay, back. To, let's let's dive into the offense. Here we go. The offense. They had 31 drives in their three games, so that was 10.333 repeating drives per game. Uh, they had 55 first downs. 13 were by rushing. 38 were by passing, and four were by penalty. Their third down efficiency. Not good. 14 for 37, 38%. It was good the first game, not the next two. Fourth down efficiency, they were one for three, 33%. Whoo. Okay. Net yards, total yards, 985. So they had less yards than their opponents. They went 3-0 and and got outgained yardage-wise. It just stuff to remember. So that equated to 328.3 yards per game, but the Steelers ran 176 offensive plays versus 207 of their opponents. So they ended up with 5.6 yards per play when their de- when the defense held the opponents under five yards per play. Just interesting. Their net rushing yards were 266. 266. What's crazy about that? is they had 185 the first game. So that means the Steelers had more rushing yards the first game of the preseason than they did the next two games combined. Yikes. Got to turn that around a little bit. Okay, that was on 61 rushing attempts. So that was for a 4.36 average. So even though the Steelers got outrushed, man, they only had 61 rushing attempts to their opponents, 80. So uh, th- that kind of tells you something. Maybe it was because the Steelers were trying to figure out what was going on at quarterback, but still, you gotta. Um, hopefully, you can get a little bit more balance. Because oh my goodness, sixty-one rushing attempts to what we're about ready to see, a hundred and nine attempted passes, on top of six sacks. That would that would equate to one hundred and fifteen passing plays to 61 rushing plays because the Steelers, they had their, their gross yards, meaning the yards that the, each quarterback threw was, was up 746, but their net was 716 because they were sacked six times for a loss of 45 yards. Here's something that is encouraging though. The Steelers completion percentage, they were 79 for 109. That's a 72% completion percentage. That yeah, you heard me right. Seventy-two, and you're like, oh, oh, Dave, is is that is that pretty good? Is that a good number? You know what I'm going to say? Yes, yes, that's absolutely fantastic for a completion percentage. Now, remember, it's the preseason, but how would that com- how would that com- uh, correlate to the regular season? Let's just say this: the highest completion percentage of one Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger's career in any one season was 68% in 2015. There you go. Well, at least that's what it looks like to me. Let's see. Can I, yep, it was. I'm correct. I was making sure there wasn't another number in there that I missed. 68%. So that means that the Steelers there, they were 72%. That's, that, that, that's pretty good. But is that a number that I expect to hold up in the regular season? I don't expect it to, but man, if it does, that's pretty good. Okay, six point six zero yards per pass. So they they were they were gaining more than one full yard more than their opponents per pass. No interceptions. Um, that's just that. So that's just really good stuff. Oh, something that well, I, 
doesn't matter for the defense because what they're meaning what the opponents did. It only matters this for the Steelers, whether it was offense, defense, or whatnot. Penalties. The Steelers had 19 penalties for 158 yards. They only had, I think, two penalties the first game. So that's that, that that's kind of crazy. Um, the Steelers, they also had 12 punts for 550 yards. Their their gross punting was uh, 45.8 yards per punt with the net of 40.3. That means after the returns. So um, that that wasn't all big press. That was also uh, or whatever it was who punted the first game. I I can't get his name right. So the the Steelers also had um, four punt returns for 46 yards. They had six kickoff returns for 151 yards. So those are, those are some of the good, uh, 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 things there. I mean, some special teams to throw in there. The Steelers were six for seven on extra points. Um, they were, fi- um, ooh, that doesn't seem right. Someone's right there. They were one for two on two point conversions. Um, I'm not, sh- I mean, here they they were trying to say that they made all of their kicks, but that's not true. I know Chris Boswell missed a couple and we'll, we'll actually look at that here real quick. Um, with the special teams. Yeah, Chris Boswell, he was four, he was four for six with a long of fifty-four. Um his he had a miss from fifty-three and he had one blocked, which is which was his only attempt from inside of thirty. Um I, I, do they have the yeah, there's the punting. Okay. Presley Harvin, his he averaged forty five point nine yards per punt and with a net of forty three point five. So, and he didn't have any touchbacks, three inside the 20 out of eight and along of 56 and not many return yards, um, only 19 return yards and eight and eight punts. That's pretty good. So let's go ahead and hit some individual stats with the, uh, w- with the offense here. Um, for example, the leading rusher for the Steelers in the preseason, that was actually, if you're going for total yardage, total yardage, the Steelers leading rusher for the preseason, was Anthony McFarland with 63 yards on 11 attempts. He had a 5.7 average. Next was Steven Sims with 49 rush yards on two attempts. Yeah, two attempts. His two attempts, I think, were 38 and 11, I do believe. Yeah, because he had a long of 38. Um, McFarland, he had the long of 24. That was in the first game. Um, Jalen Warren was next with 48 yards uh, on 16 carries. He had a 3.0 yards per average and a 13 um, was, was his long. Next was Master Teague, 6 for 31, 5.2 average, 9-yard long. Unfortunately, he ended up um, – in, waved injured and reached an injury settlement with the Steelers. Uh, Benny Snell was 15 on eight carries. It's 1.9. Yeah, and with a long of eight. Yeah, 1.9. We don't even talk about that. Because then it went Trubisky, 14, Pickett, 12, Durant, 11. Najee Harris, he was four rushes for 10 yards, two and a half. But what's crazy is he has a, he had a long of 11. He had a long run longer than his total number of yards. Um, and then it was Gunro was had had ten yards and Tyler Sneed had two. Um, all, as as a team, they were I think I had already said what their average was. It was they have it rounded here as four point four. I think I said before that it was uh, uh four point three six. Uh, when it comes to receiving, 
the player with the most receiving yards for the Steelers was Tyler Vaughns. He had 112 receiving yards um, and a touchdown. He had a long of 48 to 14 average. Next was George Pickens with 84 yards on eight receptions. I mean, he also had a touchdown. Um, George Pickens actually was the most targeted uh receiver for the Steelers in the preseason. He had 12 targets. So he was eight for 12 where Tyler Vaughn's had 11 targets. They were the only ones in double digit targets uh, after Pickens. Next was Pat Frermuth, 80 yards on five receptions. Um, followed by Deontay Johnson, 71 on three receptions. Gunnar O was 69 on six receptions and a touchdown. Uh, Miles Boykin, 67 yards on six receptions. Jalen Warren, 54 on seven and a touchdown. Steven Sims, 34 yards um, on seven receptions, and he had a touchdown. Connor Hayward was um, 30 yards on five receptions. Chase Claypool had one target, one reception, 29 yards, because the other one that he had, it was called back on a penalty. Tyler Sneed had 27 uh, yards on five receptions. Jason Sternberger, 20 and two. Cody White, 19 and four. Benny Snell, 15 yards and two catches. McFarland, 14 and two. And Harris, uh, 11 yards on three receptions. Then Gentry was one, one catch for nine yards. Mateo Durant, two catches for six. And Kevin Rader, one catch for six. In all, the Steelers had seven receiving touchdowns, no rushing touchdowns in in the preseason, the longest pass was or reception, not necessarily the longest in the air. The longest passing play was the 38 yard pass to Deontay Johnson, the one on which he was hurt. So that's some of the individual statistics there on offense. What am I doing? I didn't do the quarterbacks. I saved them for last. And then I almost forgot about them. <coughs> Excuse me. So what's interesting is when you look at the yardage, they're all pretty even. Because um, Mitch Trubisky had 283 yards passing on 24 completions, 34 attempts. Mason Rudolph had, or the next, sorry, was Kenny Pickett with 261 yards yards passing on 29 completions on 36 attempts. And then Mason Rudolph, he was 26 of 39 for 220 yards. So the biggest average was to Trubisky at 8.3, then Pickett at 7.3, Rudolph at 5.6. Trubisky threw two touchdowns, Rudolph threw two touchdowns, Pickett threw three touchdowns. The long was Trubisky to Deontay Johnson that we talked about. Trubisky was sacked three times, Pickett twice, Rudolph once. Then what what I'm we'll come to the rating. And the rating was the, the top rating went to Kenny Pickett at 124.7, then followed by Mitch Trubisky at 115.2, and Mason Rudolph at 98.2. Wow. Even Rudolph not getting much of a chance that last game, his rating was still almost 100, and that was the worst one. That is absolutely crazy. So, wow, that was a lot of numbers of me just going over what the Steelers did. We're already over our time, and I really wanted to look at a couple things here from this article that I received last week from um, from Jeremy. I'm just going to say Jeremy. Um, he sent this to me. This is actually from 538.com. And it was entitled, The NFL Preseason is Not Predictive, But It Can Often Seem That Way. So this was a, an article that he sent me. And what they did is they did they did for the – like here, we'll start with quarterbacks. 
that they that they said did they they, they broke them into four categories and this is going back I think to 2000 yes yeah, since 2000 that the 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 biggest discrepancies or the closest stuff um, or or the best numbers of of quarterbacks that they said they they compared their preseason versus their regular season and they put them in four categories were they good good preseason bad regular were they bad preseason and bad regular were they bad preseason good and regular or good in preseason and good regular whoo when they did this um this quarter this rating quarterback rating what they defined as good and bad was that they said um um that they were ba- their bad performance was defined as below 75 and and good i think was over 100 so and then to qualify they said he, the quarterback needed at least a 25% or 25 attempts in the preseason and 250 attempts in the regular season so they tried to do it with you know players that played so let's say someone that was good good in the preseason but bad in the regular season um most recently that made this list was Sam Darnold in 2021. He had 116.0 preseason rating and he had a 71.9 in the regular season. Then you get, then other than that, you got to go way back to like the next closest is 2004. Kerry Collins, he had a 140.4 preseason rating and a 74.4 um, regular season rating. So when you're looking at someone like a Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky, you know, Mitch Trubisky, he was 115-2, and Kenny Pickett was 124-7. So hopefully they could be more in the good-good category. The good-good category, the most recent one there was Dak Prescott in 2016, 137.8 in the preseason, 104.9 in the regular season. What's what's crazy is even in their they had they did the top five they had guys that were in the 130s and 140s in the preseason, but in order to be good in the regular season, their best one was 110.9. That was 2004 with Dante Culpepper, who was 134.4 in the preseason and 110.9 in the regular season. So that's just some some interesting thing. Oh, and Aaron Rodgers was on this list twice where he was good, good. Just thought I'd, I'd throw that out there. When they when they did the bad, bad, we have a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We do. We have one in the year 2000, one Cordell Stewart. His preseason rating was 39.8, and his regular season rating was 73.6. Woo! Okay. Um, and he was the top of the list because he was the worst one um, of all those, and he still didn't get much better in the regular season. The most recent one they had on here was 2010. Jimmy Clausen was 46-8 in the preseason and 54-4 in the regular. Woo. But those those players were like Stewart, Clausen, Josh Freeman in 2009, Mark Baldry Mark in 2007, and Patrick Ramsey in 2004. So you have to go back a little bit for those. The bad good, there's a former Steeler on here, but this not this is when he was with the Steelers because it was um, – um, because it was 2010, Michael Vick, he had a preseason rating of 38.2, and he had over 100 in the regular season of 100.2. So when it comes to the Steelers, you're more looking at they've already got the good. I mean, even if it's Mason Rudolph, he's he was on the cusp of what they said was the good of over 100. That's what the Steelers quarterbacks had. They don't always equate to good in the regular season, and good in the and good in the regular season or sorry bad in the bad in the preseason isn't anywhere close to the numbers of what you would consider bad in the regular season 
So that's what it, what it did when it came to quarterbacks. When it came to what do we got next here? Running backs, they did yards per carry. Um, for example, uh, and and their their good was four point five, and their bad was below three point five. So that's what they had. Um, when it came to the good in the preseason and bad in the regular season, most recent and a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Rashard Mendenhall, 2013. He averaged 6.1 yards in the preseason and only 3.2 in the regular season. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. Um, when you look at the good good, there was, uh, um, let's see, Matt Forte was on there twice. The most recent was Ryan Matthews in 2011, 7.8 in the preseason and 4.9 in the regular season. But that's what's crazy. This is what goes to show you that these numbers don't equate. Look at how this worked for the quarterback. You were talking about having a good rating. A good rating in the preseason was, was um, you know, a lot of them in the one forties and one thirties, and the bad ratings were in the were in the thirties, forties, and fifties. But in the regular season, those bad ratings were more in the seventies. But the good ratings were only just over a hundred. I think the best one from the regular season out of all of them was um, Matt Ryan with one seventeen in 2016. So when you're looking at those kind of ratings, those numbers that are really, really high, you don't expect them to happen throughout the entire NFL season. Because for for example, in the running backs, some players that had a bad preseason, but a good regular season, you're talking about 1.2 yards per carry for Reggie Bush in 2013. And then he had 4.5 in the regular season. 2018 was Joe Mixon, 1.8 in the regular season, jumped to 4.9. So what's what's good in the regular season and what's good in the preseason, way different. Because of the smaller game size, you can really sky those numbers up. Um, some of the bad, bad, I think, is funny. Like uh, Daniel Thompson in 2009 had a 2.3 in the preseason and 3.3 during the regular season. So he was better, but it still, it still wasn't great. So um, Najee Harris, he would be in that bad category. So we, um, for the preseason. So hopefully he gets in that, um, bad, good category that they were doing there real quick to finish this up with some receiver stuff. This was, um, um, yards per game is what they did there. And what they called good was 65 and bad, um, was less than 40. So when, when you look over it, just to give you some of the numbers, good preseason numbers ranged anywhere from from 46 to 102, just a, a huge range. Okay, that which, which that was that was good. Okay, um, how's that good? That doesn't even match their own criteria. That's what's crazy. Um, but like someone who had a good preseason and a good regular season, 2000, Randy Moss, 1023 to 89.8. Okay, Randy Moss is three out of the five. Of the good, good categories. The only, the other two are, are Julio Jones in 2012 and Antonio Brown in 2011. He, they considered it good at 57.5 yards per game and he had 69.3 yards per game, um, in the, in the regular season. So I just as much as anything noticed that, um, Oh, man, some of these bads are like yards per game. They're single digits. They're even double digits. Wow, no wonder they called him bad. Like Marvin Harrison in 2008, 7.6 yards per game. 
and then he only had 39.8 yards per game during the season. Uh, Antonio Brown is was in 2015 was in the bad good category. He only averaged six yards per game in the preseason, and he averaged 114.6 in the regular season. So that just goes to show that there is just a huge discrepancy in the numbers from the preseason to the postseason. You can post, oh, sorry from the preseason to the regular season. Sorry, I haven't. Hope I wasn't saying postseason the whole time. What actually happens there is this. It's a small sample size where some, uh, you know, two good games, and that's that really blows out of proportion because that's the equivalent of, what, 13 great games in the regular season. It's hard to put up huge numbers in 13 out of 17 games, but it's not that hard to put it up in two out of three in, in the preseason. So a really bad performance can really bring you down, and a really good performance can really jack you up in the preseason. So when you look at those overall stats, they aren't predictive, mainly because what's considered good in the preseason isn't anywhere close to what is good in the regular season. It's inflated. And what is bad in the preseason, that's also so much more negatively I don't, you can't call it negatively inflated, but inflated in the wrong direction, I'll say, um, when it comes to the preseason uh, versus versus the postseason. Like Najee Harris. Oh, yeah, he only had two and a half yards per carry. He had four carries in the preseason, four carries for 10 yards. So that's not – looking at that average of 2.5, that's not going to be very predictive of the regular season. So that's one thing to remember when it comes to the preseason stats when you wrap them all up. We went a little bit long here, but hey, thank you for, for listening. Make sure you're checking out BehindTheSealCurtain.com. Be looking for getting into that Survivor contest. It's free. It's fun. Make sure you get in there. Checking out all our podcasts, especially, you know, we got a lot of breaking news what's coming at you, so make sure that you that you caught all of them and be, you know, there's still more players to be signed to the practice squad, so uh, there might be even more coming with that. Um, and, of course, you know, you got the whole morning lineup, the live shows on YouTube. We're just trying to give. There's something for every Steelers fan, hopefully, that we offer at the Behind the Steel Curtain network of podcasts. So thank you once again for tuning in. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out with me. I'll see you next week.